Good morning, Lake Point Church. My name is Frank Bennett, and I'm lead pastor here. Thank you so much for joining us online for the service. Uh, what, what crazy times, but we serve a God who is fully in control. Uh, we've been praying, lots of people have been praying, and uh, we know that God is going to uh, show forth his might and his power. And I pray, as I've already prayed, that this message uh, will speak to you. And it has already spoken to me as well. We are in a series called Six Days, and I've actually have pondered and prayed about whether uh, we should even continue in this series, considering these times. But I really feel like we need to press on because of the way God is speaking through this message. You know, I, I planned on doing this series uh, months ago, and I didn't realize that how much this message would speak to us right here where we are. And so this message series is called Six Days, and it's about the last six days uh, that Jesus spent on this earth before he went to the cross. And um, it's very intriguing to me because if, if you knew what day you were going to die, if you knew you were going to die in a week, how would you live your last six days? Uh, we get to see that in the Gospels, how Jesus got to live his last six days. On his final Sunday before laying down his life, he made this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem was expecting and anticipating this Messiah that was going to come in and, and free them from Rome tyranny. And um, they thought Jesus was the one. Yes, he is the Messiah, but he's not the Messiah to come free them from Rome. He's the Messiah to free us all from the chains and the bondage of sin, death, and the grave and hell. And so when Jesus came in from outside of Jerusalem, uh, from the town of Bethany, uh, the crowd knew beforehand and people were, were uh, just so excited. And, and it was Passover week and lots of people were coming in and were already in town from, from all over the, the, the known world. And uh, Jesus came in to town uh, to uh, people that were um, making a way for Jesus. They were actually making a pathway by laying down their their garments and palm branches and, and uh, laying a way for Jesus to come in into the city. And as he was coming in as, as king, but as king of kings and lord of lords. And he came riding on a donkey as someone who is very approachable, not on a white stallion as someone who is a, who is a conquering king. Obviously, we see that later on in Revelation. But what's interesting to note about this is that it's very similar to the way we receive Christ. When we receive Christ, we, we want to make a way for him to come into our hearts. Yeah, he is a way maker. He knocks on the door of our hearts. But it's our job to, to remove uh, all of uh, the distractions in our life and the things that get in the way of receiving Christ. Whether it be family or friends or, or pride or, or position, whatever it is, we move that aside and we make way for Christ the King to enter in. Well, in uh, the Monday, the next day, the last Monday of his, of his life here on this earth before going to the cross, we see Jesus enter into Jerusalem a sort of a different way. He enters in Jerusalem, he goes straight to the temple. And what he does, he clears out the temple. And so, uh, you know, the first day was, was all about his, his royalty as king. 
the, the second day on, that we're talking about on Monday was about purity, about how he purified the temple. He rid the temple of those who were greedy and those extortionists who were taking uh, animal sacrifices and, and, and making uh, tons of money on it. And it was all about money. And Jesus didn't like that. He drew them out. He, he uh, chased them out and he said, my house is a house of prayer not a den of thieves. And so it's interesting with us as well, our, our bodies now is a temple of the Holy Spirit. As we accept Christ as Savior, we are his temple. And in order to, for Christ to be in our temple, he, he, he needs to have some purifying work. He needs to purify our temple into the uh, heart of hearts, into the inner chambers of our hearts and our soul and our spirit and our minds. He longs to clean us out and he can, only he can do that, not ourselves. And so as we, as we see what Jesus is doing here on this last week, and the, re, the reason why I'm recapping is on this uh, from previous weeks is because there's a journey here that Jesus is showing us. He's showing us the journey, how someone can come to him through salvation and even walk the Christian life as we make that pathway for him to come in and we invite him in to the inner city of our hearts. And as uh, we allow him to uh, purify our temple, to purify our lives. And on the last Tuesday, the next day of his life, before laying it down on the cross, uh, we see Jesus come in again, go straight to the temple. And the, uh, the, those who were the Pharisees and, and, the, and the law keepers and those who were the teachers and the scribes, those in authority by God uh, to be the teachers of the law, they had lots of questions for Jesus. Because, you know, the previous day he, he drove people out and, and that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And so the, uh, the teachers of the law said, what authority do you have to do all these things, to teach and to drive people out? Well, Jesus uh, answered that question with a parable, a parable of the tenants. And so uh, basically with that parable, he tells them that, look, my authority is from God the Father. My authority is from God the Father. And so you have this, this clash between uh, the, the teachers of the law who they thought they had the authority given by God. And Jesus saying, I have the authority by God. Of course, Jesus is rolling in a, a, a new covenant uh, for, for mankind. And so he, this clash that happens is, is sort of reminiscent of our clash between the authority of us and the authority that Jesus should have in our life. You know, let me ask you a question. By what authority do you live your life? If you live your life by your own authority, and millions of people do, you know, how is, how is that going for you when we decide to be our own authority um, and not give it over to Jesus? Uh, things just don't go real well in our life. And so whenever we invite Jesus and make a pathway for him and allow him to, to clean our, our temple, we need to give him full control, full authority over our lives, to be Lord and to be Savior. And so that leads us to uh, today's message, which is the Wednesday, the final Wednesday of his life. And so um, this date is, is different because Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, he spent with lots of people, 
crowds of people. On Wednesday, we see a totally different approach to this day. And we, we see this in the book of Mark, chapter 14. And so if you have your copy of God's word, we encourage you to turn to, to Mark uh, chapter 14. It's right there in the New Testament, second book, Matthew and Mark. And if you don't have your Bible, that's fine. We, um, we have it there on the screen for you. But we're going to read a few verses, the first 11 verses, actually. Mark chapter 14, verse 1 through 11. It says this, Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot, because obviously Jesus was popular. While he was in Bethany, Jesus was in Bethany, he was reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying uh, indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with me, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. You know, in this story, in the way that Jesus handles this, this fourth day, is different because he decides to... Um, go away from the crowds. He is um, he's basically quarantining himself with uh, his, his closest friends, uh, his disciples and other friends. And so here you have him in a house, not in the city with the crowds. And so this day he is spending in a sort of a, a moment of to be still. So in this story, you have the beginning of the story of the Pharisees wanting to find ways to kill him. And then at the end of the story, you have Judas, uh, who's decided to betray his teacher and master, Jesus. And so on, in, in the bookends of the story, you have conspiracy. You have chaos happening. But in the middle, you have this rich moment of, of, of worship and, uh, and preparing Jesus for what he's about to go through. And so Jesus, uh, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of conflict that's about to happen, he, he knows what's going on. Uh, he decides to be still. To be still, to get off, away from the crowd, kind of like we are. Away from the crowd, uh, closer to, uh, to family and close friends. And so he wants us to be still. He's speaking to that uh, uh, to us today. 
that message. So what does it mean to be still? I, I uh, love this and um, this passage, and we find it in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. It's just one simple verse. You may have, uh, you may have read this before, I've heard of this. And the, the psalmist says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And so to better understand this, this passage, we've got to understand kind of what's going on around this verse, around verse 10. So the, the writer of this particular psalm, what, what they're saying is uh, that uh, there's, there's some conflict. There, you can kind of tell there's, there's maybe a, in a time of war, there's lots of strife going on. Things are not going good, kind of like where we are right now. A lot of people are scared. Um, the economy, the health, uh, the family, I mean, you name it, their jobs. And so uh, in the middle of this, which is this psalm was written in third person, all of a sudden in verse 10, something changes. We go from third person to second person. And it's God himself who speaks. And he is saying about himself, be still and know that I am God. Nowhere in that psalm, nowhere in that chapter does that happen except for there. And so in the middle of, of chaos, God wants you to, to hear this from him. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So who is he saying to be still? Who is he saying to be still? Where you could, uh, one interpretation is he's telling the enemies to be still. He could be telling the enemies that are surrounding uh, Israel and are combating against Israel, be still and know that I am God. I'm going to protect them because they are my chosen people. So you need to be still and I'm going to fight for them. Wow, what incredible interpretation that we can see. A a an angle of that verse, verse 10. And how we can use that in this time. Viruses or our fears, anxieties, be still. Be still and know that I am God. You know, it reminds me of the time when, when Jesus was with his disciples in the boat and the storm was raging and he was asleep and they had to wake him up and he stood out on the boat and he told the storm, be still, be still. And we're facing a storm. Many people are facing a storm all around the world. And so he has the ability, the authority, the power to say, be still. Another interpretation, obviously, is to speak to us, to be still and know that I am God. And I think both interpretations can be used here. Be still and know that I am God. He could be telling us, Stop striving. Stop trying to do things on your own. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to worry about. I am with you. I can fight your battles. I'm, I'm, I'm for you. You don't need to fear. Let me do my job because I am God. Because 
we don't know, truly understand that he is God until we are still before him. To be still before him. You know, what are, what are some other times that we see where people were still before the Lord or, or just they were still in the midst of chaos? There's three uh, moments as I've done a little bit of research the Apostle Paul, he's in, he's in prison, and he's still. <laughs> he's, he's bound in shackles, and most of the New Testament, most of his, of, his, of his letters are written while he was in prison. In fact, I think that's one reason why, why God allowed him to be in prison. Hey, be still for a little bit. I need you to write some letters that is going to comfort people and instruct people now, but it's also going to comfort and instruct people uh, throughout history until I come back for them. You know, I'm also reminded of Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton was 20 years old during the bubonic plague uh, that killed millions of people. And so uh, the year away uh, from, from college, so obviously he left college, and that year away, he came up, with a theory of gravity. And he probably would not have come up with that if he just wasn't still. You know, he's sitting under a tree, apple falls on his head, <laughs> knocks some sense into him. And, you know, he's at a moment where he's still and in the midst of chaos. And then I love this story with C.S. Lewis. He was a writer and, and uh, lots of books, but obviously one of the most famous ones is as uh, Chronicles of Narnia. But C.S. Lewis, during uh, World War II, he, uh, he started this radio broadcast. And so in the midst of, of, of all of that, he stopped what he was doing and, and just started this broadcast that eventually became the book, Mere Christianity, a classic that every Christian should read. And so God can do incredible amazing things when we are still before him. So here's what I think. And it's not just me. I've heard it said many times over the past couple of weeks. God is calling us to be still. God is calling you to be still. So in this moment, I know we're catching up and binge watching and watching, you know, Disney Plus and everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to encourage you. Take some time. Get away in the quiet moments. And to be still before the Lord. And what great thing can come out of this? Like the Apostle Paul and Isaac Newton and, and C.S. Lewis. What amazing thing is going to come out of all of this chaos and you being still in the process. I think it could be great things. And I do know this, God wants to speak to you. So the Sunday was all about his royalty as King of Kings. His Monday, um, as he, as he rolled in, into the temple was all about purity and his Tuesday was all about his authority. And his Wednesday was all about serenity. To 
to just be still in the quietness. And I believe Jesus did that on purpose and wanted to prepare to change the world with his life by laying it down on the cross. And as I've, as I've shared um, this pathway, this, uh, this uh, plan, Jesus is showing us, look, I want to come into your inner city of your heart. Make a path. Get, get rid of all the other stuff that's blocking my way. Make a path. Would you make a path for Jesus to come into your life, into your heart? And, and like on the second day, we allow him to, to purify your heart, to, to, to do some work in your heart, to purify your life like only he can. And, and would you, like on the third day, would you give him complete authority in your life? You know, he didn't ask for permission to drive the money changers out of the temple. He didn't ask for to, permission to heal people. He just did it. Jesus wants to be the authority figure in your life just to do something in your life as we obey. And then that path continues as we accept Christ and he purifies us and we walk in and, and he's in the authority of our life and we walk in his authority, then as we grow in him, we've got to have moments where we have quietness and we are still before the Lord because then we get to learn from him, learn his character, learn his love, and he speaks to us. And then next week, it continues, and I cannot wait to share what's going to happen next week. But before I go into that, let me ask you a question. Have you done those things that I just mentioned? Have you done what Jesus is showing you in his last week? Have you made that path? Have you asked him to purify your life, to be the authority in your life? Well, let's, let's pause right now. Let's, let's be still right now. And let's ask God to do something, to change your life. So no distractions. You might, you might be sitting at home. You might be a, a single person. You might be with your family. You might be a, a single mom or a single dad. Or maybe there's some teenagers watching or kids watching. I want to invite you to receive Jesus. So right there, just with your eyes closed, I'm going to say a prayer. and Let's walk through this together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask you, Lord, that everyone that's watching here right now, you speak to their hearts. And so if you're sitting here today and you have never done some of those things I've talked to you about, I want you to do that. And you just say a simple prayer. You just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, you are the way maker. I am making a way for you to come into my heart. I'm setting aside my pride and I'm removing the distractions. Please come into my life. And dear Jesus, purify my heart. Purify my temple. And dear Jesus, I give you complete control, complete authority over my life. I surrender to you. And as I'm still before you, speak to me. Please forgive me my sin. I confess that to you.
Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we close, I do want to invite you back online uh, next Sunday. It'll be 11 o'clock. Um, and I want to encourage you this week. Here's what I need you to do. And, and hopefully you're able to get out. But next week, we are going to, to observe the Lord's Supper online. I've never done it that way before. But we are going to observe communion. Uh, as as a family. And so I encourage you, uh, make it a family altar. Do it there with your family. And so here's what I need you to do. I need you to buy some grape juice. And uh, if you like the real deal, if we want to use some wine, that's between you and the Lord. But grape juice is fine. And uh, if you want to have some bread or crackers, and those are fine. It's, it's really all about um, the symbolic elements of the blood and the body of Christ. So we're going to continue in this six days and see how it all fits together. And uh, I'm going to lead you in that time of communion with your family next week. So that's your assignment. Just get those elements sometime this week. And just know this, we're praying for you. Feel free to reach out to me. You can send an email uh, to uh, pastor at lakepointonline.com. And I uh, cannot wait to see you face to face. But until then, uh, we're going to see uh, each other uh, together soon. Uh, if not, we're going to see all of us in heaven who have accepted Christ as Savior. Love you. Thank you for watching. We'll see you later.